We at the Rouge Rugby Podcast would like to send our deepest condolences to the family and friends of Sean Wainui. Sean was a well-respected and beloved player for the Chiefs. They are plenty and marry All Blacks. He will be sorely missed. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Rouge Rugby Podcast. I am Stuart Hardy, and you'll notice that Derek Brissett isn't joining us. He's out in BC at the moment, you know, maybe setting up that new Vancouver MLR team. You know, he's keeping very hush-hush about it. Uh, I guess we'll have to wait till next week. But I am joined by a plethora of well-respected and loved guests, and I'm great to have them all here. Introducing first, as always, is the writer and editor for Rugby Hive, the Queen Bee, Karen Gasparino. Also up is the Hours Up fan group co-creator, a high school rugby coach, and a general college dad, Doug Wilkie. And one of my good friends, as well as the MLR stat master, Mr. James Deatley. Everyone, thank you for joining us tonight. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thanks. Thanks a lot. Okay, so we start with this. uh, We have a few questions for all our guests who come on from a rugby perspective. Um, So the first question we're going to ask is, what got you started in rugby? And I'm going to start, ladies first, with Karen. So I started uh, really following Premiership Rugby. And then um, through that, I started to uh, do the Rugby United Canada on Twitter. Um, This precedes Rooney. So it's uh, Rugby United, the international uh, movement. And I saw so I run um, at rugby uh, can underscore uh, that's me with the rugby United. And I've been doing that for 12 years and that just really opened a lot of doors. So I got media accreditation to rugby Canada events like um, matches, press conferences. And then from there, I wrote for last word on sports. And then from there, uh, Rugby 7 star Andrew Coe actually uh, pegged me for a gig working with performance tailoring um, uh, business Edelhard Rugby, uh, who was a startup. And uh, they asked me if I would write and edit their online newsletter called The Scrum. And then the pandemic sort of hit and the things kind of dried up a little bit. And then I uh, am a very good friend with Robin McDowell from McDowell Rugby and former uh, Canadian uh, Sevens International. And I started working on the Rugby Hive with him and um, pundit excellence, uh, Dallin Sanford, former American Sevens. And that's me. Okay, and now same question for Doug. Yeah, I, uh, I grew up like a, every other Canadian boy seems to be playing hockey. Was drafted to the OHL. Didn't didn't really know much about rugby. I think the first time I ever saw rugby on TV was Jonah Lomu running over that uh, English winger at the uh, at the World Cup, and then was like, "Wow, that's that looks awesome." And then uh, just got to my high school, started teaching, and there was so many coaches at the school. It was like can I help coach hockey? And they're like, no, sorry, there's too many people. 
uh, can I help coach this? No, there's too many people. And, and uh, one of the rugby guys came out and said, hey, why don't you come help me coach rugby? So uh, I went out, fell in love, started playing. Unfortunately, it was too late for my professional career. I started at 27, um, but uh, it just instantly fell in love with the sport. And uh, I wish I could go back and do it all over again. Um, but I've been lucky enough, even though I started late, I've, I've uh, seen a lot of the par- parts of the world because of the sport and uh, shared that love of, of rugby with uh, some of the high school teams and high school students that I've coached that have gone on and p- continued playing in their lives. So, Okay. And same question this time for James. Sure. So I'm, I'm much more from a, a fan perspective. I think I don't, I don't really work with rugby in a professional capacity in any way, but um I did go when I was from from a very very young age. I used to go and watch my my dad play for um for the local for one of the local clubs um, back in the UK, Beaconsfield RFC. Um, you know he played there for about twenty or thirty years. Um, he even played for the Vets team up until probably only about six or seven years ago. Uh, they had like one game a year. It wasn't particularly intense, but uh, we went along and. Um, you know, we we we'd regularly go up to pretty regularly. I'd probably say once or twice a month we go up to um up to Reading to the Majestic Stadium to watch London Irish. Um, and you know, I've watched um I watched London Irish play uh, Twickenham for the London doubleheader. I've watched them. I've watched I think it was Harlequins versus Narbonne at the Mad Stad for something or other. I can't remember. That was probably my first one of my first rugby games. But I've I've been going pretty much you know every week a couple of weeks for probably 20, 25 years, to be honest. So I'm, I'm very, very interested in it. And um, pretty much pretty much from my dad, to be honest, he, you know, he dragged me along to uh, to his games. He dragged me along to the, um, he dragged me along to go and watch London Irish when my mum said no, um, you know, he didn't want to be on his own. So I went along with him and um, yeah, I've just loved it ever since. Fantastic. Okay, so our second question is, what has the sport done for you in your personal life? So we've talked, especially with Karen and Doug, a bit about your professional life. So Doug, how is it, um, what's it done for you in your personal life then? Uh, yeah, just the, the people I've met, as, as you guys know, like the people in rugby are usually some great, great people. So just the, the people I met, getting my kids involved in the Barry Rugby Club, um, you know, having them start those relationships. Um, it's great. And just the, I totally, the, the, the whole idea and the, uh, sorry, what's the word I'm looking for? The, the, um, the respect and everything that's involved in the sport is something that really struck with me. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just something I want to be involved in and I want my kids involved in. I want to try to get other people involved in it. Okay, now James, you've um, during lockdown you took on the role of keeping a record of the stats for MLR. So, how would you say the sport has affected your personal life, especially over the past year? Yeah, well, over the past year, it's uh, it's done a lot more than um, than just you know the 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 obvious. Stuart, I'm I'm very good friends with you, and we have a whole group that we regularly go to Hemingways. And, you know, we have a whole, it's a bit different, you know, you move to Canada and you, you've, we've kind of created this friend group through our, our mutual love of rugby. So that's, uh, you know, that's the obvious uh, how it's affected my personal life. But yeah, in the last year or year and a half, I've um, sort of started this little hobby when I've had, you know, nothing else to do being stuck in the house of, um, of keeping stats for all the, the MLR teams and the league itself. Um, 
just so you know to be honest to 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 stave away boredom but um you know i came up with this this idea like oh well you know it might be fun to post a couple of stats each week relating to you know who's been playing more who's been scoring a lot you know stuff like that and it seems to have really taken off for the last you know for the 2021 season um took quite a, quite a long time to put together going back to 2018 when the you know the coverage was a little bit spotty and everything like that but um you know it seems to be working out quite well and uh yeah, I'm looking forward to see what what happens to that uh, for the rest of the off season and into 2022. I can't seem for a moment we were going to be joined by a special guest on your side. Um, He's a scrum half. Uh, that explains the short posture and doing whatever they want. Um, again, you've had um, what you've told us so far is a, from a very professional approach. Um, how do you say the sport? Or what uh, what has the sport done for you in a personal? life uh, well the line is actually so blurry <laughs> i mean i live in a veritable uh rugby museum here i have been over the last i i just had um this summer my century cap of writing about rugby so i've i feel so blessed and so lucky and i've met so many amazing people who have trusted me with their story you know i've and and and, and I know that that sounds like it's professional, but it's, it's really not like, I just feel, I just feel like all of these people are part of my clan now. Like, I mean, I'm talking, you know, Alex Magleby from the Free Jacks and um, Maria Thomas, the president of Trinidad and Tobago Rugby Union. And, um, you know, Tom Wood from Northampton Saints. I have a, a knife block that he made and sent me. Um, I just really feel I just, I follow them and, and I care about what happens to them, whether they're playing or, or, or whether they're part of rugby anymore or not. Like I, they just, I just feel somehow part of their story. So, the, you know, they feel part of mine. And then um, very luckily uh, all the writing that I've been doing, uh, I always wanted to be, you know, they, they always say, are you doing what you wanted to be doing back in high school? And in fact, back in high school, I was going to win a Pulitzer Prize by a certain age. And I've always been kind of in the right track, but not quite. Like I've been in graphics departments and print production and marketing departments. And finally, finally, I am actually a full-time copywriter and I actually credit um, my love for rugby and the writing uh, for finally nudging me in the right direction professionally. So um, it is a very blurred line, so much so that I'm probably going to lose my son in, uh, next September to McDool's Academy on the island. So awesome. It's awesome. Again, now this is more from a fan perspective because we've asked this question to um, professional players. We've uh, spoken to um, those involved in like the senior and behind the scenes side of rugby. But this is a question that I think everyone gets just of being a fan. Um, who is someone you love to watch every time they step onto the pitch to play? And this, James, I'm going to start with you. Also, this um, yeah, he hasn't he hasn't played in quite a while, but I it was someone I, I loved to watch when I was a kid growing up, and he was kind of my favourite player, and that was uh, Barry Everett for for London Irish. Um, yeah, I think he played there for about seven years, from you know when I was probably about six to six to thirteen. You know, my my real kind of like 
really finding out that I am interested in rugby, not just dad dragging me along. It's, you know, I might have my own interest. And it was, it was always, we go and see Barry rather than we go and see London Irish. And, um, I think it's really, yeah. in fact, to pre- prepare for this, I had a look at what he's doing nowadays, uh, just, you know, just out of curiosity. And he's he's a head teacher at a school in Surrey. So he, <laughs> it's a long way from, um, from you know, the Power Gen Cup final in 2002. But uh, he's, he's someone I really, really enjoyed growing up uh, watching. Karen, who do you love to see step on the pitch or when they did step on the pitch in this case? Well, um, I'm going to go with, I'm probably going to get a lot of groans because probably for the last decade, I've been really interested just to see what kind of trouble Owen Farrell can get himself into every time he gets on the pitch. But um, I also really enjoy um, the young up and coming players, um, you know, watching Lucas and Ben and right down to now Siaki. I'm very interested in to see how far he can go with it, everything. But I have to say that I will follow Lockie Kratz anywhere he goes. Um, again, he's part of my, you know, personal collection because I did that article on him. But I just I knew when I when I worked with um, McDool's um, Next Generation Sevens in 2019, I Lockie was his captain, and I just knew I was just waiting for the moment that that he, that he would hit. So I do really, I I can't wait to see him do good things, and and then of course um, Will Kelly as well. I, I I'm I'm very keen for Will to get his proper Canada start. And Doug, same question. Yeah, <laughs> lots of people. I mean, I got into watching it late, so some of these, uh, some of the people, the older people that uh, really laid the, the the foundation of of rugby. I didn't really get a chance to watch them too much, but definitely Alan Wynn Jones, just the consummate professional, sticks his head in. You know, he's getting up there in age, but you wouldn't know it the way he plays, and and just huge amount of respect for that man. Some music to Stuart's ears, ears, I'm sure. Hey, yeah. You're the one wearing red, James. It's true. <laughs> Not Wales, though. Yeah, close enough. We'll claim you as one of them. Um, okay, so we're going to switch the focus now to the rugby that actually happened uh, this past weekend, the rugby rally, which was the Arrows 15 versus the Atlantic Selects. Um, what started off as a you know, fairly close game in the first half. It was only two tries to a penalty. Then after the halftime whistle became a clear indication of players who do have professional training as opposed to those that don't, with the final score being 57-10 to the Arrows 15. Um, The first thing I want to ask you is, how good is it just to have live rugby and be in the stadium again? I'll go ahead if no one else. Yeah, yeah. Go for it. (laughs) Yeah, it was great. Just bringing the kids down to the stadium and, and we, it's what, what we've all been waiting for. You know, we've been trying to keep, keep everybody as jacked up about the arrows through the, the Facebook group and everything, but there's nothing like actually getting to go down on a Saturday and, and see everybody face to face in the stands and well, mask to mask and, and uh, most people and uh, seeing the team on the field. It was just amazing. I was just, I couldn't, I, it's, it's indescribable the, the feeling of getting to be back and, and, and see people and um, see the players. I just, yeah, it was, yeah. Everything that they amped it up to be and more like, I just, 
despite the weather, although the weather actually held out quite, quite well. So it was just, it was great. I just, I loved their little end zone um, set up there with picnic tables and lots of space and their own vendors and their own match day brews. I just thought they had, a, I mean, it can only grow from there. There was lots of room. Um, it was great to see Jay and Ed back with the rugby shop and um, we've all gotten to know tennis a little bit um, with the rugby coffee and, and having him, having him actually there was, was really fabulous as well. So it just, I don't know, it just felt great. It did it felt great. Elle did a great job. Yeah. I mean, it, it was, it was perfect uh, to echo what, what both Karen and Doug have said. It was just so, so great to be back watching live rugby after so long. What was it? Nearly 900 days or whatever it was. It's just, it's just fantastic. I couldn't really have hoped it would go better. You know, it was perfect conditions for rugby. You're sitting in the cold and the rain. You know, there was it's, it was a close game for the purists and then it was a runaway affair just to give the party atmosphere. It was it was perfect. It was fantastic. And I thought they did a really good job in um, in organising it, um, you know, with these new restrictions that um, that we all have to live with nowadays. Yeah, I agree. It's just been like a fan. It's just been fantastic because um, this was rumored to be happening a few months ago, and then because things have been going on the right trajectory, um, you know, we've been able to have like live sports again in Toronto, which is fantastic. And you know, it's not just rugby; it's other sports as well, like MLB, the NBA, and. Even the Maple Leafs, while they could play in Toronto, were obviously playing behind closed doors. So it obviously makes a huge difference. Um, but interestingly, this was the first time that to the Toronto Arrows were playing at York Lions Stadium. Now, when I first arrived in Toronto, I went to see the Ontario Arrows play at York Lions Stadium. And I think that if you go on Google Maps, they still have the stadium with the running track around it. Um, so if anyone's watching or like going onto Google Maps and seeing like what this new stadium like, it doesn't look like that anymore. The track has now been removed. The pitch is now been brought up to both FIFA and World Rugby Standard. Um, I actually had a chat with Bill Webb and he was saying that the rugby rally was the first time that they were putting the uh, posts up the rugby posts up on the pitch, which is why there was a slight delay in getting people inside because that explains it. They just weren't prepared. Um, you saw the engineers; it was so crazy with their hard hats and pulling it up. It was actually pretty, pretty <laughs> entertaining watching. It was, um, and so the last time I was there, obviously the running track, everything was, you know, an extra ten meters away from the crowd and. Um, but now I think that having the turf closer to the stands, whilst at the same time being above the, um, you know, the home and away benches, I think it allows you to like look over them and you can just see the action. You can see the lines. You, um, and because hopefully if they're using the stadium for the 2022 season, it means that they won't be conflicting with York United because the Canadian Premier League will be running from like the summer into the fall. So that means that we should be getting painted lines out of rugby lines and not the dip multi 
multiple different lines that are, say, at um, Lamport Stadium, for example. Um, but that's just my opinion. What do you guys think of York Lions Stadium? Just to echo what you said right there, the the lines. Even though you know you, you could see the, um, the 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 football lines, the soccer lines still on the pitch, and um, you know I did say to you, Stuart, when we got there, there's there's no dead ball line at the end of the try line. It didn't it didn't well, the try zone. It didn't look like that, that anyway. I guess you just had to stop at the fence, um, but it's much easier to see that where the rugby lines actually were. You know, I've, I've as I've already said, I've watched rugby for years and years, and even at Lamport, you just couldn't tell where anything was. Um, and to compare it to Lamport again, the pitch is night and day in terms of that. In terms of that pitch quality, um, there's no big bump in the middle, which is nice. Um, the the turf is, is is so much higher quality. It's just uh, yeah, it's night and day. Um, although one thing Lamport probably had going for him was it was in the heart of Toronto. Um, you know, it had a big view of the CN Tower. You could see the air show even from the from Lamport some days. But um, it's not like York Lions Stadium was was out in the sticks anywhere. It was perfectly still perfectly easy to get to, pretty much on the subway line. So I don't think you know there's 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 any kind of problem there. Um, they did have, I, I, I presumably this was just for this game, but they did have some odd odd rules, you know, concerning the beer garden. Um, but I'm sure you know that won't be an issue going forward. Well, yeah, because we're so when you're saying about it being, you know, not out in the sticks and on the subway line, like you and I both live in We live in the heart, yeah, yeah. The heart of Toronto. So any anything that's on a subway line or on the uh, streetcar tracks is easy for us. Um Karen and Doug, uh I'm guessing you don't live in the heart of Toronto. Karen I know doesn't. Doug, I'm not entirely sure where you are. I'm up in Barry. Uh well yeah. So for so my question is for someone who doesn't live in like downtown Toronto and doesn't have access to the public transport options like the TTC. How did you find getting to the stadium? For me, it was great. Um, we I took the kids on the go train um, and then took took the subway line a couple stops up. Um, I don't know if I do that again. It it was added on to the to the trip. I mean, really, from Barrie, it's only a forty five minute drive. To, for me. Um, so it is much easier for me in a selfish way to, to, to go to, uh, York university compared to Lamport, um, less driving down into the, you know, more of the downtown part of Toronto. So, uh, it was good for me. I've always argued that, um, when I, when I first interviewed Bill, uh, back before they had any place and they were dividing, you know, sort of half here and half there, and they really hadn't, found a home yet. Um, and, and we were talking about the pros and cons of being up at York versus being down at Lamport. And the fact of the matter is that at least half of the tried and true supporters are 905ers. And it doesn't matter if you're east, west or north. All of that is very accessible. You know, if you don't want to pay for the 407, you don't have to pay for the 407. It's also right off the 400. So although it's not so much fun being on the 401, and I actually prefer taking the 407, even though I have to pay a bit, um, it's still, you know, it, you, you either have to fight with the gardener and then downtown Toronto clog, or you have to fight with the 401. I mean, that's the reality of... Southern Ontario. So I personally think 
that the one thing that it had against it was how um, kind of welcoming and community building the environment was because only a few people would make the trek all the way back to Druxies or whatever it was in the campus after a game. So the fact that they're, they have built in this space where you can gather and kind of mingle after matches, I think that that was the missing piece. And I think they've now done it with the beer garden. I think that that, I, to me, that puts the icing on the cake. Well done, Bill. Yeah, it's it, the, the stadium there, it's much better. Of course, when you're comparing the old um, stadium that they were playing at at York compared to Lamport, Lamport is just much more of a stadium feel. But that, that new stadium, you had that feeling. The stands were up, great angle, you're, you're close, you get great sight lines. The beer gardens in the, on the right there, just like it was at Lamport. Um, you know, good washrooms, the facilities, the, the, when you go up for the, to, to get your snacks and whatever above, you're not going underneath. You could still see, you could still watch the game while you're waiting in line. So just, I thought all the things that was, was, was bad for, uh, York university compared to Lamport, this new stadium has kind of kicked a lot of that stuff to the side. The only thing is, well, I'll say what James said. The, the, the bars and everything in that area near Lamport, that did make a, a big, a fun part of the, the whole experience. But to be honest with you, bringing my kids to the game, it's, I, I feel a little safer bringing them to York University. Okay, that's, that's interesting. See, I like hearing like different opinions on it, but it seems that the overall consensus is that it's a good stadium. And I know I personally would... Um, want the home games for the Arrow season of 2022 and onwards to be at York Lion Stadium. And I think you guys also agree with that. Might be a bit biased having not seen rugby in 850 days, but that, that we'll may... take what we can get. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Something as well. Um, now, we had great players uh, for the Arrows. We had great players for the Atlantic Selects. But um, there's one new addition that we have to talk about that was announced during halftime and that is that Toronto has a new mascot it is Archie the raccoon number 24 I love it love it I think uh, Archie's fantastic um, we've been we've been saying for a while that if the arrow is going to have a mascot it one needs to be a raccoon and two um, should have something to do with arrows um and we were saying like archer as well because like an, as an archer but i think archie did you really used to think like the whole raccoon thing because that threw me off I, that came out of the left i field can i can vouch she said it yeah. before the game that wow. day I did say it <laughs> um but no i think it first of all i think it's great it's um i say doug you have kids um but I get anyone who has like really young kids and wants to get involved in uh, playing rugby. I know that a lot of like British clubs will have mascots and they'll be used to help promote sport, especially to children. Um, but I think that the design of Archie is um, really inviting. And, you know, I've, Archie was just wearing like a blue shirt with the Arrows logo and number 24 on the back. Hopefully next season he'll have the... Um, arrows kit on with collar and everything um 
But yeah, what did uh, what do you guys think of Archie? Uh, great mascot or the greatest mascot? Well, the greatest mascot. I had actually uh, uh, one of the the great things about rug, running rugby can is that I get to hear all of the complaints when things aren't going precisely the way people want, um, especially lately. Um, but uh, one of the, one of the things was that somebody didn't like him and called him. Uh, what did they call him? Well, trash Panda. <laughs> thank you very much. He did. He called him the Trash Panda. And I, I shot back and I said, you know, look, I mean, I, you know, you know, for the, first of all, he, like you said, the construction of him, he hasn't he got the most lovely, inviting, happy face. Like you just, you have to like that. And also raccoons, they are, you know, they're not all dumpster divers. You know, there's some pretty clever northern raccoons pretty cute uh, and then we have timothy goes to school and you have rocket raccoon like i don't know i think that that, that they did it that they, they that they nailed it i i just think that they nailed it and the dan try sally you have to love that yeah. i've got that i've got that written down too that was a brilliant little touch um you know maybe it's dan more inside it we don't know but um <laughs> He was I, pretty. He was looking pretty jacked. That, that. he was. <laughs> no, I thought. I thought the raccoon was. Um, I thought. Yeah, I thought it was a perfect representation of both Toronto. Um, I think I can remember before moving out here. I watched. I can't remember what it was. It was Life or something narrated by David Attenborough, and it was in Toronto, and it was about raccoons in the city, <laughs> and it's just that's what Toronto's famous for: raccoons, and. Um, so you know raccoon represents to the city and obviously archie like an archer represents the arrows i think it's just it's just perfect and um i will take the opportunity to uh, to spare a thought for gordo the adult mascot there the uh, out of work slightly overweight beer belly wolf i'm not quite sure what he is but it was it was nice to see him again <laughs> even though he was uh, you know begging for a job it's <laughs> hilarious I do hope they keep them around. I mean, I think that 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 was that was quite funny. I think. Yeah, it was. It was very funny. <laughs> Doug, what do you think of Archie? Yeah, I know it was great. My kids kids loved it. Just like Karen said, very inviting face, happy, smiling, uh, but looked jacked and and uh, you know with the uh, with the bow and arrows and and the, the celebration and all that looks great. I think uh, my kids are looking forward to seeing more of Archie in the future. My daughter already wants it all, so. Yeah, the rugby shop needs to get on that quickly. Jump, quickly. strike while the iron's hot. Hey, Ed, get on. Really? <laughs> Archie plushies. Yes. Yeah. Copyright him now. Get him Christmas, ready. Christmas is coming. I have uh, a Lester Tiger I need to put away. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so. Uh, that was a rugby rally. Um, that wasn't the only rugby action that was happening on Saturday. Out, um, out in BC was the latest round of the Coastal Cup. We had a full weekend this time. Uh, the Vancouver Wave dominated TWU 56-3. Uh, to three. Um, UBC won their match against UVic 22-7. You know, great rivalry between those universities. And then Van East pulled off the comeback victory of the weekend against the Tide winning their match 24 to 14. Uh, if you're looking for the fixtures uh, this week, it will be um, Pride versus UBC, uh, UVic versus Trinity Western, and Van East versus Wave. And if you want to catch any of the previous fixtures, 
um, from this season, you can watch them on the Coastal Cup YouTube channel. Now we have some other news coming from North America. So this is a story that MLR and USA Youth and High School Rugby have announced a wide-ranging collaboration that will establish programs and initiatives to grow youth and high school rugby. And, you know, we've seen earlier this year that it's now a case that every MLR team in the league has a, a senior and junior academy. And so I think this is another step in growth and development of the sport. Now, we are recording on Tuesday, but it's been announced that on Wednesday, um, USA Rugby are going to put forth their official proposal for hosting uh, the Men's and Women's Rugby World Cup. And I think doing something like this now helps build the reputation and recognition recognition of both MLR and Rugby Union in the United States at least. Maybe we could do something for Rugby Canada as well. I don't as I'm not a Canadian um, do any of the Canadians on this uh, episode of the pod know anything about uh, high school rugby? Mr. Wilkie? Coach Wilkie by any chance? Yeah, I definitely think there is a disconnect between um, high school rugby and I would say there's a huge disconnect between high school rugby and rugby Canada, but really it's the provincial unions that where I see the issue is that there's a disconnect. And when, when the MLR first came in, there was lots of talk about, you know, the MLR needs to do all this stuff with, with grassroots rugby and, and high school rugby and, and all that. I'm like, wait a minute. Like we have a provincial union that should be probably doing more to help those areas let, let's let the arrows focus on the arrows and try to grow that because that's going to be, you know, that's going to be a big draw for everybody in, in the future. And let's not put too much on the shoulders of the MLR teams. But uh, yeah, I definitely think um, there, there does need to be more connection between high school because this is where a lot of kids in Ontario are coming into the game in grade nine. Unfortunately, we are doing a better job of, of growing it in the, in the, uh, you know, the, the flag rugby and all the way down to U6, but definitely most kids are coming into it in high school. So I think that's the area we do need to focus a little bit more on and have more of a, a, a partnership with rugby and Ontario, rugby Ontario and rugby Canada. Interesting. Interesting. Thanks for the insight. Um, now a name that's familiar to me somehow is that a Harry Hardy, has been appointed as MLR's new chief commercial officer as well. So, Uncle Harry. No relation, unfortunately. So, but Harry, if you are listening, I am your long lost cousin. I would like free season tickets till the time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, his, his CV is pretty impressive, eh? I mean, uh, what he yeah. didn't do for Procter & Gamble and Walmart, he can do for the MLR. Exactly, exactly. And especially now, if this is the... Um, tip of the iceberg, so to speak, of promoting rugby across uh, not just the USA, but North America as well. If this is the time of um, the USA now putting in their bid for the World Cup, then we need to, I say we, they, um, need to be in a position where you're growing the game as much as possible. You're making it as accessible to as many people as possible. Um, I've uh, listened to an interview with George Killebrew talking about how um, he was able to talk to some fans with children 
after one of the games of the um, 2021 season and then saying, I think it was down in Texas somewhere. So it was either Austin or um, Houston saying that you come along and they love their team so much. And when George asked, who is your favorite player? Their answer was, I don't know, because they don't have the names on the backs of their shirts like they do in other sports. So be Houston then. Probably. So because Austin do. Austin do, but sometimes they peel off. So that <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> point. But I think it is. Um, and I know there's like the purists of saying that, oh, you know, the only name on the jersey should be the team because no one's above the team. But I think we need to take a North American approach to this. If the top, if the big four sports in um, North America all have player names on the backs of jerseys, I think it's more than reasonable to say that MLR can do it as well. I know um, that you need to find like the balance between um, taking this sport, which is a European sport, um, big, very popular in um, the UK as uh, the UK, France, um, other countries as well now across Europe. It's becoming bigger in Spain and Portugal, um, Germany and the Netherlands as well. But you also need to recognize that this is a US environment and you know, you have to appeal to the fans of NFL, NHL, uh, NBA, NBA um, Major League Baseball as well. And, and it's like the number can change because obviously in rugby, depending on position, you will have to change um, whether you're on the bench or not. But at the same time, if you know the player you're supporting and if, say, Oh yeah, um, Siaki Vikilani. He always plays number eight. You can have get a shirt that has Vikilani and number eight on it. And yeah, I think that option needs to become available. That's just, this is just me going off on a tangent. So I'll get no, I, I agree. Like, why not? This is something that the other North American sports have proven is a huge marketing tool. Like yeah. right now, I only have one Arrows jersey. But what if I want to go get? Now I want to go get like. Uh, uh, rumble jersey and oh i i should probably also get uh i don't know will kelly jersey or somebody else right and now i'm buying more than one jersey so to me that's a great way to increase jersey sales yeah i love to do with any north american sport they market the player as well as this as well as the team you know um i think it would be a, a great idea you, you know as you mentioned Stuart, the number might change and that you know that probably going to incur some 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 more costs to these teams that are you know let's be honest a lot smaller budget than the big four sports um but it is a it's a great opportunity um to 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 um to allow to the fans to have their favorite player you know not just not just the team and you know they enjoy going to games because it's fun and there's a mascot Uh, you go and watch your favorite player which is a question you you asked at the start of the podcast Stuart well, Do I get my Sam Malcolm number ten or number fifteen or? Uh, well, you have to get two now because yeah, oh, I have to get two, and you have, and you have to get home and away, yeah, and the potential third kit. You know, you have to cover all the bases. You can't just rely on the 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 charity uh, shirt, you know, where you place the bid and you get outbid until you don't, and then you end up with a Manuel Diana shirt. Yeah, like you, I saw that. Blood, it has blood on the, the, the collar and everything. You were like, that's in. cool. My wife was like, that's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Okay, so Mr. Hardy, if you're listening, and I know you are, there we go. Um, check in the post, please. Um, and now we've got a bit of signing news, and we're going to start by um, announcing about the new assistant coach down in New Orleans. It is former All Black, the King, Carla Spencer, joining as an assistant coach. And um, on Twitter, my usual co-host, Derek Brissett, said, um, he's coaching, start him. <laughs> I saw that. I mean, still, probably still got it. I mean, he's an all black, so he's definitely leagues above the rest of it. But he is also in 45. his 40s. So he's only he, 45. 45. Yep. 45. He's got the same, same birthday as me. Not That's the same year, though. So. Not the same year, believe it or not. <laughs> um, now we're going to talk about a Canadian um, going a bit further west, but staying in the same state. So Liam Murray. Last year was playing for Houston and is now crossing into new territory by joining the Dallas Jackals. So Liam um, got his another cap for Canada this uh, summer or fall, whichever time you want. The fall of Canada probably isn't the best thing to have on your mind. But, um, you know, uh, he's also played for the Arrows as well. Arrows alumnus, yeah. Yeah, so um, what do you... um, so because this is the sole Canadian, I believe, we're going to be talking about in uh, signings, um, do you think this is a better opportunity for Dallas or is this a better opportunity to, for Liam? Liam. Yeah, it should be a, a better opportunity for Liam to get some more game time in. Um, you know, he's got seven MLR appearances, six for Houston and, and one for Toronto. It should be an opportunity, or I hope it is, an opportunity for him to, um, to get more game time. He's a Canada Cap player. Well, that is the thing. We do need more um, professional players playing regularly. Yeah. So I definitely see where you're coming from. Um, another addition to Dallas, this time from Utah, is Alex Tucci. Um, joining Liam Murray's old club is, this is a big signing, um, former Sunwolves player Willie Britz. He's coming over from Japan. He's another player in his uh, mid-30s. But this still isn't like the strangest signing from overseas because Old Glory DC announced that they have signed Junior Sawu from Lee Centurions, which is part of sub uh which is part of Super League. Um so you know another cross code athlete coming over. Again, this is a player in his 30 now Junior has played 15s previously, but the majority of his career has been for the 13s. Yes. Well, so close to 250 appearances in the Super League. He is a veteran rugby league player. So, you know, be interesting. James, Mr. Statman, did you notice that he had just last season at uh, Lee was actually playing with um, quite a few former Wolfpack players? Yeah, well, I had I had a feeling he's probably, uh, I know I know a few of the Wolfpack have gone to Lee now. So, um, you know, that's not a surprise. Okay, so we have some additions coming into MLR. We also have some... Uh, so we, sorry, I missed a player off. Sorry, it's um, Evan Minton is heading south from New York to join Rugby ATL. And on the topic of New York, we're now going to talk about departures because it's been announced that uh, fan favorite for New York, Dan Hollinshead, is joining Vanes in the D2 in France. 
Speaking of the D2, um, a certain former Arrows player who's currently playing Medical Joker and doing wonders to the surprise of no one is Mr. Tommy De La Vega in Province. Uh, Karen, I believe you wanted to talk about how well uh, Tommy's doing. No, he's, he's, he's hit the ground running. Um, he's already very popular with the team. He's all over their social media. Um, he's, he's doing great. And I just think that it's tremendous for him. Um, when I spoke to him, he didn't, he, he, he genuinely didn't know where he'd be. Um, but he was hoping he would, you know, still be able to play. And I just feel considering that he never quite properly due to injury, quite properly broke into the Argentinian first team, right. The Pumas first team that I just think that his success later in his career, I just, I, I'm so happy for him. I suppose there's not, you know, it's, he could be, he could be like some of the other players that uh, join at kind of after their other responsibilities. Um, But here's hoping. I don't know though. I mean, I, I don't know. He hasn't, he hasn't properly left, but then I also haven't heard, uh, you know, I have other connections um, in South America and I haven't heard that um, any of the, any of those guys have been properly signed. I mean, I mean, I know Uruguay kind of has other irons in the fire having just qualified as America's one, but um, you know, it would be, it's, it, it'll be interesting to start hearing the signings. And I, in the meantime, I'm just super happy for Tommy and he knows it. So we didn't even get a chance to uh, properly welcome him to the arrows and now he's already gone. So I'm hoping that he does just come back at some point and sign uh, when his season over there is done. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I, I'm also really hoping that Manuel Diana comes back. Like, so. Well, one, and Gaston too. I was going to say, and one thing Andrew. that I have heard, um, and we actually posted on it on the Rouge Rugby Twitter, is that Gaston Mirez announced that he is extending his time in Toronto for another year. Yes. So... Uh, the Arrows' top try scorer will hopefully be returning to the cold. Don't know why, but hey, if if I can do it, so can you, Gaston. Um, but yeah, as as I said when it was announced that um, Tommy had signed as a medical joker for Province, is that from a selfish point of view, I want him to do his cover for medical joker and then come back and enjoy one Arrow season with the Arrows faithful in the crowds however we all know how good uh tommy is as well and i'm sure that he's already impressing the higher ups at province and if they extend his contract you know i can only be happy for him it's, totally uh, so it's like through gritted teeth it's like oh good luck yeah wish we could have said goodbye but yeah you know when a player says it's a dream come true i you gotta just love wherever they have landed exactly exactly and and that's the thing. There even uh, been rumors of because of the um, Autumn Nation series that's happening in the next few weeks and stuff. I don't believe Argentina has announced their squad yet, but if there is any medical cover needed and they can only get players from the Northern Hemisphere or more specifically Europe, Mr. De La Vega is always there to uh, flex his talent once more, get in the uh, that Pumas jersey and show us 
or what he's got on the national stage as well. So, if you're looking for an agent, uh, Stuart's uh, ready to go there, Tommy. <laughs> <laughs> hype, hype man is my official title. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> okay, so if you're looking to watch any rugby this weekend, unfortunately there is no live rugby at your client's stadium with um, other professional variety this weekend, but if you want to watch any of the Coastal Cup, you can find them on their YouTube channel. And if you're interested in catching the English Premiership or the United Rugby Championship in Europe, you can watch that on Sportsnet. Um, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to wrap it up here. Um, if you want to listen to any more of our podcasts, you can find it at the Rouge Rugby on Anchor FM and on Spotify. You can also contact us on our social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all at the Rouge Rugby. Uh, Karen, do you have any social media that uh, people can get in contact with you on? All of it. <laughs> um, I, I am. Uh, I mentioned Rugby Can. Um, that's where I have the most followers, international followers, and lots of great discussion. And uh, very occasionally get told to go back in the kitchen, but I'm up for that fight. Um, and then. Uh, uh, I am on Instagram as Karen Gasparino.xv and I am on Facebook and you can find me through the Arrows Up Flying Club um, and also um, Twitter uh, Gasparnot12. And Doug, where can we find you if we want to get in contact on social media? Uh, Canadian Rugby Dad on, on Instagram and uh, I'm not on Instagram that much, but on Twitter. And then just, yeah, same thing on the uh, Arrows Up fan group. And James, where can people get all their stats about Major League Rugby? So on, on Twitter, I'm at JamDelay, J-A-M-D-E-L-A-Y. And on Instagram, there is a, a devoted MLR stats page called MLR Stats, where um. You know, I'm not posting too much right now, apart from, you know, the, the, the re-signing announcements or departures. But, you know, when, when the season kicks off again, I'll be um, posting multiple times a week there. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram with the same handle, Hardman, spelled H, number four, R-D-M-A-N. Well, Karen, Doug, James, thank you very much for joining me this evening. And to all our listeners and watchers, thank you very much for joining us on this podcast. And we hope that you can join us on the next one. Thank you. Thank you very much. See ya.